Welcome to Always Bev, The Ripple Effect, a consistent discussion on how predatory behavior and violent crimes affects victims, families, friends, and communities. Let's join the host and founder of Always Bev, Barb Jordan. Welcome everybody to a bonus episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. Now for those of you who joined this podcast after season one, This podcast episode is for you because I want to take you all the way back to why I started Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. And for those of you who have joined me in all four seasons of this podcast, I want to take you back and remind you that predators really have no boundaries and that we do really need to be aware of the choices that we make in our lives. And I think when we look at, you know, what leads us to make our choices, I think there's some words that pop up that we really need to pay attention to. And I'm going to tell you what those words are. And those words are when we say to each other, oh, what a coincidence. Hmm, that's weird. That's suspicious. That's odd. Whenever those phrases and some others pop up in your conversations about somebody, I want you to Pay attention to your intuition. Just a few months ago, my mom said to me, just out of the blue, we were sitting at the kitchen table, and she just said, I can't believe he fooled us. And he was very good at what he did. In fact, when he was engaged to my sister, he actually proposed to another woman several times and even had the audacity to have this woman over to their apartment for dinner, waving it right underneath my sister's nose. And this guy, well, he was arrested under the name Eric Michael Lewis. So if you Google it, that will show up. But he has two social security numbers. And so now he moves about Los Angeles under the name Rich Lewis. And one of the things I'm going to tell you about him, in case your paths ever cross, is that there was one thing that Rich did that really creeped my sister's friends out. And that is how he would greet them. He would actually pick them up off the ground, press them against his body, twirl them in the air against their will, and then set them down. Now, one of the biggest injustices, I think, with my sister being killed Everyone always says, oh, that's terrible. And all, all you ever really say is she was murdered. And people think, oh, that's scary. But honestly, what was scary was all the deception, all the events that led up to her being killed. So it was, it was difficult. And I think one of the things that, was the, that is the hardest, I mean, it's been 30 plus years. And if you're wondering why it took me 30 plus years to say this out loud is it took me about 20 years to actually be able to say her name without my voice cracking, without crying. So through EMDR, another painful thing that I had to endure, I learned to think about Bev and reminisce about Bev, but it is still very painful to get past her final act which was how she was killed. So I want to start with 
why I launched Always Bev, and that is in hopes of you listening to this podcast. I, I teach courses on personal safety. It's to help others learn about predators' behavior and how important it is to ask questions and to not be so trusting, to not be gullible or to push aside when your intuition kicks in. It's about having confidence and body language and all the things that you need to do to stay, to stay safe. And when I say those things, it reminds me of my family because my parents were born in the Bronx, Bronx, New York. They moved our family to California when, when I was just a toddler, all the way back in 1970. And there was five of us. So they didn't know anybody on the West Coast, but they were born in the Bronx. And one thing they knew, they knew how to have a quick pace, and they knew how to hustle, and they knew how to stay safe. And we were raised the same way. We were always asked where we were going. We were always asked who's going to be there. We were always asked, is there an adult there? When, when pe- we were able to drive, it was the same questions over and over. And when we were kids, well, we were the first kids that had to go home at night, man. The minute the sun went down, my parents were on the street doing the famous whistle, bringing the kids home because nothing good happened in the dark. And when we came young adults, even today, they would still say, Nothing good happens after midnight. We always had to be home by midnight. So Bev and Karen are identical twins. And I think for Karen, I have to say I'm so proud of my sister because actually she had to reinvent herself. She lived 30 years as Beverly and Karen, Karen and Beverly. So I know that the ripple effect of losing her twin sister has of course, been life-changing. I have two brothers, Stephen and Paul, and the saying goes, when my sister Bev was murdered, it changed our life forever. So I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back over 30 years to 1988 when my sister met a guy named Rich. Now, later on, we learned that he had various names, but this was the name that we knew him by. And they met at a bar. Group of friends went out, so they met through mutual friends. And Rich actually wasn't the guy that Bev had her eye on. She had her eye on a different guy. But Rich somehow weaved his way into her world. And his thing, his thing as time went on, was he had this knack for bringing flowers. And Bev loved that. Who doesn't like getting flowers? So that was Rich's way of saying, you know, you're my girl. So they got engaged very quickly. Now, Bev wanted always, I mean, that's what I remember about my sisters growing up is they couldn't wait to be married and have kids. They really wanted the family. But it was Rich that initiated early on after three months of dating, hey, maybe we should get married. Well, of course, Bev liked that idea. So somewhere I heard the story. It was out on the Santa Monica Pier in California. He proposed. I remember my mom calling me and telling me, your sister got engaged. And I just thought to myself, huh, that seems kind of quick. But I didn't ask any questions. I was, I was busy. I was in my last year of college. I mean, I had important things to do. So 
they moved in together, of course, because if we're going to be married, then we should just move in together now. Do you see how that just, it's just a, a just easy maneuver. We should do that now. So they did. And that was a big deal for Bev to tell my dad that she was going to move in with him, but she did. And we'll hear some details later on in this series about how that conversation went. So on paper, who was this guy? Who was he? Well, on paper, he looked pretty good. He was military. He was big into computers. He made good money. He worked at a company called Litton in Woodland Hills, California. He drove a, drove a fancy SUV. He had a personalized license plate, said Calypso. Now, I didn't have a lot of interactions with him during the time that they were dating and engaged, but I remember seeing that license plate, Calypso, and I asked him one day, what does that mean? He never answered the question. He just dodged it, and I never got an answer. So years later, when we were working to keep him in jail, when he was coming up for parole, I looked up the definition, and one of the definitions of Calypso means to cover, to conceal, to hide, to deceive. There he was, waving it right underneath their noses, and we never saw it coming. So I'm going to take you back to Thanksgiving 1988. And for me, Thanksgiving was my favorite holiday, of course, because you're with your family and you get to eat all day long. So it was a, it was a wonderful holiday. And I always say the Jordan family Thanksgiving dinner. I just, I just, it just still to this day, it makes me happy saying it. And I remember being at my parents and Bev coming, Bev showing up, but she didn't show up with Rich. Rich came later. This is hindsight. I didn't think anything then. Anyways, Bev brought her famous seven-layer chocolate chip cookie dish, which she made every Thanksgiving. And the day started. We began to eat. We began to play Trivia Pursuit. And the festivities began. I remember going upstairs for something. And I remember Bev calling me. And I went to the edge of the stairs, the top of the stairs, and it was a straight shot looking down. And she yelled up to me and she asked me a question from the Trivia Pursuit game, Pursuit game about King Kong. And I just remember catching her eyes and just thinking like, God, you're my hero. Like, I love you. And here I am over 30 years later. I remember that moment. I remember her asking me a question about King Kong. But most of all, I just remember how she looked and how much I loved her. The day continued. The guys, my two brothers, my boyfriend at the time, Jeff, we all went outside. We said, let's throw the football around. Who doesn't throw the football around on Thanksgiving Day? Well, we went out on the street, and we're throwing the football around. And I'm just going to tell you, personally, I didn't think Rich was very good. But, of course, he's being a guy, and he's trying to act like he, he's better than he is. And he begins to tell us that he played football at the University of Georgia. And I just remember looking at Jeff and our eyes catching, and we kind of chuckled. And I know that I thought to myself, you certainly did not play football at the University of Georgia. Didn't ask too many questions. I remember asking him, what was it like? And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, when you're on the bottom of the pile, they really sucker punch you. That's what they do. They sucker punch you. That's about it. Didn't really get asked too many other questions about it. So we sat down 
finally, for Thanksgiving dinner. And any dish that you're supposed to have on Thanksgiving, any dessert, that you can think of having for Thanksgiving was either on the table or the surrounding tables. My mom is a fabulous cook. Everything was there. And as we sat down to say grace, we blessed the food. I remember looking at my mom. She said the same words every year. Now, when we were younger, I would say to myself, I'd kind of roll my eyes. But as I became a young adult, these words meant so much to me. And I looked at my mom and I said, say it, mom. And she said in her sweet little Italian voice, I'm so thankful that we can all be together. That Thanksgiving was the last time I ever saw my sister, Bev. Two days later, she called me. I was at my parents' house. She asked me to go to the movies with her and Karen. And I said, you know, you guys go. You guys will have a good time together. That was the last time I ever spoke to my sister, Beverly. And I learned later on that that night when Karen and Bev went out, they had their final moment together. And somewhere along the night, they said to each other, what would I ever do without you? Two days later, we were all going to learn. There's a lot of twists and turns in this story. A lot of them have to do with money, a life insurance policy that even had accidental death on it. There was arguing over wedding plans. There was rent, long overdue. And most of us, we didn't know this. And those that did never thought in a million years that my sister was in physical danger. All we had to go on was our intuition. And I want to share this one little clip in regards to how important your intuition is. Because one of the first things, one of the first teaching points about this podcast is to trust your intuition and to remember that intuition does not need a definition. You do not need to say somebody did this and this and this. In fact, I asked Bev's twin sister, Karen, recently, what was it about Rich that you didn't like? She paused for a moment, and then she said, you know, I could never put my finger on it. There was just something about him that I didn't like. That, my friends, is intuition. And if you are joining this podcast after season one, I encourage you to go back and listen to the six short episodes in season one to learn more about predatory behavior. I'm signing off this episode and I want to remind you to trust your instincts, especially when something or someone is too good to be true.